Thanks for joining us for the Bread of Life. One of the central purposes of our radio ministry is to stir up in our listeners a robust confidence in the sufficiency of Jesus Christ for everything they need, and so drive more and more people to want to be with Him. We invite you to pray for our ministry that this desire will be fulfilled in our listeners. Now here's our teacher, Joel Van Hugen. We're looking at Hebrews chapter 11, verses 17 through 19, Abraham's offering up of Isaac. It's a demonstration of his simple faith. Abraham knew God. He knew of God's promises. He understood God's character. And when given instruction from God that seemed to run counter to what he knew of God's promises and character, he still obeyed while reasoning a reconciliation of the seeming conflict in his mind. One thing was sure. He was confident that God would be what God had revealed himself to be, a personal, promise-keeping God of blessing. You can be confident of the same thing. And God has asked me to go and sacrifice him. What's the reasonable conclusion that Abraham comes up with? Then God is going to have to raise him back from the dead. God will have to just bring him back to life. I'm going to do what God says, but I'm reasoning based on what God has said to me already and what God has promised, and I know He's true to His word, and I know who God is. This is what God is going to have to do. And so there's no questioning in a sense. There's no doubt here, but there is a consistent application of reason based upon believing in God and believing in God's word. And interestingly enough, the answer that Abraham comes up with is wrong, but the reason that he came up with it was right. He believed that God was true, and God would be true to what he says. We actually have a hint of what Abraham had in mind when he was going up to bring Isaac up to this mount where the sacrifice was to take place. In Genesis chapter 22, verse 5, and you might keep your finger in both Genesis 22 and Hebrews 11. After having traveled to this place of sacrifice with two young men who were assisting him, Abraham leaves the two young men, but he turns to the two young men and he instructs them, and this is what he says to them in his instruction. Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I are going to go yonder to worship, and we will come back to you. I don't think he's lying. I don't think he's being dishonest. He knows what he's going to do. He knows what God has called him to do, but he's reasoned something. We're going up this hill, and we're coming back because God is going to keep his promise to me. Actually, Hebrews eleven seventeen through 19 explains it further by the Spirit. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, and from which also he received in a figurative sense. You know, there's a lot made in the act of Abraham under the assumption of the great torment that had to have gone through him prior to this time. You can actually read different commentaries. You can listen to different sermons that are preached. And a lot of the focus is focused on this great struggle that Abraham must have had, this emotional struggle, and bringing his son to this place. A lot of the sermons are focused on the need for us to, in the middle of our wrestling and our dealing with God, lay down and complete surrender everything before God, even those things that we hold dear, those things that we find ourselves deeply emotionally attached to. But the interesting thing is, when you read the passage, there's no expression of emotion on Abraham's part. There's no expression of this great struggle that he's dealing with. 
it's not related to us as a great crisis of surrender on Abraham's part. Instead, what's communicated to us is a clear lesson in faith. Abraham knew God's promises. Abraham was absolutely confident in those promises. He was absolutely confident in God being true to his word. He was confident in God. And this confidence directed Abraham to respond to God, and in it he simply reasoned that God was going to have to raise up Isaac from the dead. Because I believe what God said. I believe and I trust him in every way. You know what I call that? Simple faith. That's just simple believing faith. This faith is the substance of the Christian life. The Christian life is lived by simply taking God at his word. It's lived by knowing God, understanding God, and believing in the character of God and measuring all things on that basis. It's acting in a complete confidence that God will be God, that God will not deny himself, that God will be good and God will be faithful and God will be true. And it's simply living with that confidence before him. That even when things don't look like it, even when things don't seem to be adding up like it, even when you seem to be living like a foreigner in a place where God says, you're actually going to possess this as your inheritance. When you're living in a tent, when God is promising you a, a city that you're going to dwell in that's foundations are of God. When God takes and gives to you wonderful and deep promises, and then the next day God says, now I want you to give that back to me completely and utterly in total sacrifice. And all these things, you say, well, God is true. I believe Him. I trust in Him. I know that God is going to fulfill His promise to me. I have a little aside here. Oftentimes, we read scripture and read portions of scripture where God has said one thing and revealed himself to act in certain ways and to have a character that is established on certain principles. And then we read other passages where there seems to be somewhat of a contradiction. It's hard for us to reconcile the two. There are passages in scripture, by the way, that are hard to reconcile. Read your Bibles, you'll find them. Oftentimes it's at this point where we have a hard time reconciling these two that we begin to unleash because we believe in God and we believe in who God is. We release our logic. We try to reason our way to some sense of reconciliation for our own sense of comfort, for our own, you know, just so we have a thought as we're proceeding forward of how God's going to work this out. And it's here that we oftentimes develop our most pointed and clear and defined points of distinction in theology. It's here where we come with our reconciliation, and our reconciliation is reasoned and it's well thought out, but it doesn't always square with another man's reconciliation of the same information. He's reasoned his way to another point, but he's oftentimes reasoned for the same basis. He believes in God's word. He believes in the character of God's word. He believes that God is going to be true, and this is what the outcome must be. The reasons oftentimes take them to different conclusions in terms of the outcome of their reason, but it's based upon the same thing. What we do oftentimes is we say, well, I'm not, having, I'm not having any fellowship with that guy over there. I don't like with his reason conclusion. I like mine better. I'm going to fellowship with people who have the same reason conclusion that I have. So we divide up among one another. We've come to our different positions. And actually what's happened here is something's changed. We've got to this point because of our faith and belief in God 
that God is who he said he is, that God will be true to all that he said he's going to do, that God will behave in a way that is consistent with his own character. And that's what's brought us to these positions. But having come to these positions, we then, in a sense, cast all of our faith and confidence in our positions. This is the right way. This is what it ought to be. And we gather people around us and we think this is the life of faith. I just want to say to you that Abraham was wrong. He was wrong in his conclusion, but he was right in his reasoning. God figured he did give his son back to him, but God didn't raise his son from the dead. That's not how it worked. God had another son he was going to give in his place that he was going to sacrifice and raise from the dead, his own son. Abraham reasoned wrongly, but for the right reasons. And what am I saying? Well, I'm less concerned about your reasoned reconciliation for seeming conflicts in the word of God than I am that you come to those points because of simple faith in all that God is and an absolute trust and confidence that God will be true to what God says. And if that's the case, there's ground for us to fellowship together. It's with our eyes on the Lord Jesus. It's trusting in Him. It's believing in Him. Believing that God will be true and that God will vindicate Himself as holy and just and good and sovereign and loving. And my faith ultimately rests there. It won't rest in my reasoning. It will rest there until God makes it completely clear. At the same time, I'm not condemning Abraham for his reasoning. And I would not condemn, I do the same thing, the reasoning where I try to put together and order together these disparaging thoughts. It's all good. There's nothing wrong with that. Here's the next thing. Out of the simple faith, Abraham shows us the responsiveness and triumph of faith. Hebrews eleven seventeen says, By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. It's very brief. Here's the command that God gives him in Genesis chapter 22, verse 2. Then God said, Take, or he said, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will tell you. And here's the response in verse 3 of chapter 22 of Genesis. Again, we're not told of an inner struggle that Abraham has. We're only told of his outward acts, what he did. And here's what we read. God comes to him in the middle of the night. God commands him to take his son, and his only son, the one that he loves, the son of the promise, and make him as a burnt offering in the mountains of Moriah. And here's what we read is Abraham's response. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took his two young men with him and Isaac his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place which God had told him. He got up early. He saddled his donkey. He took the two men. They prepared by splitting up all the wood to bring with them. He went to the place where God told him. I'm thinking that likely he knew where he was going and he knew there wasn't going to be wood for a sacrifice there, so he'd bring it with him. There was no bargaining. There was no waiting a few days until he reasoned or figured out what God had in mind. There was no hesitation. He didn't even sleep in until his normal time of getting up. He didn't sleep in a little late. He got up early. He got up earlier than normal. He got to it. He made all the provisions to obey God by faith, fully, and he obeyed. There's all kinds of things that we could draw from that, all kinds of things that we could understand by Abraham's expression here, but let's just say this. Faith is taking God at his word and then taking action on it. It responds in obedience. 
Some have called the triumphant moment of this action of Abraham, that moment when he came back down from the mountain with his boy Isaac, and that this was the time in which Abraham, in a sense, came into the triumph of his act of faith. But I don't think that's the case. I think it's when he got up early in the morning and began to assemble everything together that Abraham experienced the triumph of faith. The triumph came when he was preparing in the early morning hours all that would be required for him to obey God and God's very difficult and brutal commandment to him. That's when the triumph came. Actually, when I think about this, I think of the occasion when my sister, who was 22 years old, was killed in a car accident. We found out on a Friday night, a Saturday morning, that she had died. My dad had already been working on and preparing a sermon for that Sunday, and the sermon was on the goodness of God. And the Sunday came, and my father preached a sermon on the goodness of God. God is good. And that's triumph. That's triumph in your faith. It's trusting God and believing God against your own experience at times. Knowing that God is true to himself and God is good and God is at work. When Abraham rose up early and prepared the way and went with his two men. And as they began walking up that mountain and he called back to him and said, we'll be back. That was the triumph of faith. An expression of the responsiveness of faith to the character and promises of God. And so here's what you see. You see the responsiveness of faith. And in the responsiveness of faith, you see the triumph of faith. God says something, you believe God, you obey Him. This has been the Bread of Life, a ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. For a copy of this broadcast, call us at 208-331-4096. Until the next time, God bless you.